This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We are talking ice fishing. Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter, and we are here for season seven of Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. Anthony, uh, hard to believe Shack Talk has been around for seven seasons. It's uh, it's pretty exciting though to to see that um, you know we've got an established track record and and uh, we've we've got a pretty fun jumping off place for a new season. Yeah, it's always exciting getting back into the recording studio, aka our offices, and uh, getting on a little podcast, talking ice fishing. Things are kind of getting into that point where people are starting the ice fishing's creeping into the back of their mind. I know a lot of people are thinking about hunting right now, but in a couple of weeks, I mean, we could have below freezing temperatures. We could have some ice forming on those lakes and ponds. And before you know it, we'll be uh, scurrying out there. Well, absolutely. You know, and, and I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you because I do know that you love this time of the year about as much as I do. Uh, and so many people who love the outdoors, it's spent the last couple of weeks of October and first couple of weeks of November, right? It's it's getting in on that really hot fall fishing bite. It's getting out into the duck slough. It's getting out in the field chasing pheasants. It's getting in the tree stand to wait for that big buck to come around. And, you know, typically there's not enough days to do everything you want to do, right? There's always this kind of urgency to get out and, and just capture this time of the year. But in the background, you know, there's this this thought of where are we going next, right? And like you said, we could be days away from freezing temperatures where where bodies of water are going to start to to skim over, and you know, from there it just snowballs up. And gosh, yeah, I love 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 this time of the year. I just wish I could capture it in a bottle and save it, and and you know, take it back out later. And and uh, all the excitement, all the anticipation, and all the getting ready. It's it's here right now. We're doing it. Yeah, and especially on a year like this year where the weather has been, you know, a little bit unseasonably warm. We've had some really nice days, and as much as we'd love that to continue on, it's going to make that gap between where it goes from warm to cold really short, and then all of that scrambling to get ice gear ready and everything else is going to happen in a matter of time, and I'm just hoping that I'm ready for it. Yeah, you know, and and me too. I'm, I'm right there with you. We had a 14 degrees here a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago. That came on us really quick, and there's nothing saying that that kind of weather can't come back in the blink of an eye. And and yeah, we want to enjoy the nice fall weather we've got now. But uh, gosh, I'm ready for some ice. I'm ready to get out there, drill some holes, chase some fish, and uh, do what we love to do. And one of the things we love to do is talk ice fishing. Right here we are, Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. I don't, I don't know. It's just you and I tonight, Anthony. We thought we'd kick the season off here with just you and I. Just maybe. Uh, Maybe run a little introduction here for those who maybe aren't familiar with Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast, a little bit about who each of us are, who we are, and maybe do a little look back on last year, some of the memories we created, lessons learned, whatever, and then we'll look forward to this year and what we've uh, anticipating, and we'll even let you in on a few of the things we've got planned for the upcoming season. Yeah, no, I think that sounds great, and as you mentioned, to kick things off, you know, we're on season seven. There are six past seasons of great episodes. We've had a a ton of great guests. We've been, you know, 
I think we've mentioned it before, selfish on some of the guests that we've had and sat back and listened to them and take in all the knowledge that they're willing to share. So if you haven't and you're new to the podcast, go back, listen to those episodes. A lot of great guests that we've had on, and, and we look forward to hopefully having a few of those guests on in the upcoming season. Absolutely. Hey, Anthony, let's just start. Jump right in. Tell us who you are. Give us uh, give us the one-minute history of Anthony Kleinwalker and what brought you to Shack Talk. And just, just give our, our listeners a little bit of a picture of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So I live in West Fargo, um, along with Kyle in the Fargo-Moorhead area. I've been a part of the Eskimo team for a handful of years now. Um, I was also part of the Fish Addictions crew, ran around on the ice with those guys, chasing those crazy bites and having a lot of fun with them. And, you know, I was honored to be asked to be part of Shack Talk podcast and, you know, been on this, the show here now for, for three seasons. And so it's been a lot of fun. Um, having that time to to get to know Kyle and the guests that we've had. And honestly, it's been kind of a blur. I mean, it's crazy to think about, you know, how fast things have flown by. And honestly, it's just a matter of, you know, living where we live. It's chasing that next bite, whether it's an hour into North Dakota, an hour into Minnesota, or an hour south down to South Dakota, or a couple hours north of the border. I mean, it's a matter of we're kind of in that epicenter of ice fishing where we kind of have the opportunity to run wherever we need to run. So it's, it's pretty fun. It is really fun. And it has been a privilege and honor and, and a, a, a whole lot of fun getting to know you too, Anthony, and, and both in the podcast and, and out we've, we've shared a few days on the ice and, and that's always a fun way to, to just hang out and, and uh, relax and, and, and just get to know guys and gals. And, and uh, we all know that's what we love to do, right? It's a whole lot of fun. I have, uh, similarly to you, Anthony, I've, I've grown up in the outdoors. You know, it was, it was part of my life from as far back as I can remember. More of my involvement in the outdoor industry here came about after my two kids, two, two children, a daughter and a son, once they were out of high school, you know, and, and I wasn't spending... Uh, multiple nights every week sitting in the bleachers in school watching sporting events and theater events and concerts and this, that, and the other thing. I, I was able to to use some of that extra free time to get involved in things. I've, I've been uh, affiliated with Eskimo and ION and, and their brand and the organizations in that incredible company uh, or companies for about a decade. And part of that came uh, Shack Talk. And, and I have had the privilege of being here for all of the six previous seasons and and now going into season seven. Uh, I also host an outdoor radio show here in Fargo uh, on KFGO and in Sioux Falls, South Dakota on KWSN called Gone Outdoors. And so uh, that that brings me uh, uh, more opportunity to talk about the things that I love to do in the outdoors. Yeah, it's been great. And like you mentioned, uh, a lot of your time has came after you've had kids and activities. Mine is just creeping into that. My kids are both younger and I still have a little bit of opportunity and time to run. They're not super busy into sports and band and choir and all of that stuff quite yet. So I think you maybe foreshadowed a little bit of what I have to look forward to. Yep. But it's all good, man. It's all good stuff. You got to take in everything that, that life gives you at whatever stage you're at. Right. And, uh, and some, sometimes that's more ice fishing. Sometimes it's a little bit less, but you, you trade it off for some other good things too. And it's all, it's all good when it's in the mix there. Hey, before we jump in with both feet uh, into season seven, and before we get uh, get going in, in a cloud of dust here, Anthony, let's look back at last year. Let's uh, let's talk about twenty one, twenty two. Uh, what are 
maybe let's look at it this way. What are, what's what were uh, some of the highlights of last year's ice season, and perhaps uh, maybe take it away with with a lesson learned or something you discovered you didn't know before. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, I think the probably the biggest takeaway for me last year was the weather. It impacted so many weekends, so many different fishing trips. I think the Fargo-Moorhead area had 11 or 12 blizzards, and it seemed like they happened to fall on the weekend every single time, whether it was impacting a Thursday-Friday or Friday-Saturday or Saturday-Sunday, Sunday-Monday. It it never seemed to fail, and so that really kind of impacted you know, how we were planning our trips, where we were going, uh, didn't venture too far other than, you know, one trip, which I, you know, would probably call the highlight of the season. It was one of the first trips that we took in January and that was out to Fort Peck, Montana. I know we talked about it last season. We had, I think we had Jim on the podcast and talked about that. I know he uh, enjoyed it as well. And we went out there with the fish addictions crew and we had been out there in the boat in the summertime and, you know, having that kind of little bit of knowledge and excitement for the ice season. Um, we had a little bit of expectations going into the trip, but the way that the weather played out, um, you know, we had good weather. We were out there the whole time. We had fairly good ice conditions. We obviously had to be uh, careful when we were out there. That's a big body of water. Um, but it was just so much fun. The, the amount of fish that we caught, the camaraderie that we shared, we did some ice camping while well, we camped in ice shacks on shore. Um, and all of that combined was just one of the, those highlight trips that you have. And, you know, something that I'll look back on a memory for, for years and years to come. That sounds like a whole lot of fun. Uh, any lessons learned, anything you took away from the, the ice season last year that you maybe weren't aware of before? Yeah, I would say just, you know, kind of even touching back on the weather is just, you know, being able to plan and be flexible. And, you know, you mentioned it with having kids is, you know, there's going to be seasons where you don't get out as much as you would like to. And there's going to be seasons where you probably get out a lot more than you should have. And you might have to pay for that afterwards. But, you know, last year I'm hoping was one of those seasons where I spent a few more, you know, weekend trips, you know, less weekend trips, more day trips, just trying to sneak out when a guy could and a little more time at home. But, Hopefully we'll have some better weather this year and can maybe sneak in a few more of those extended trips uh, to some of those destinations we love to get to. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always the excitement of looking ahead and, and uh, knowing there were things on your list last year you didn't get done, right? You didn't get to go to, you didn't get to accomplish, and, and knowing that those are ahead of you is pretty awesome. I think about last ice season, and you reminded me when you said the weather. Right. Who can forget the weather last year? I mean, we had, uh, you're right, storm after storm after storm. Lots of snow, which which in our area we needed, and and I guess that was a good thing, but it made ice fishing a little bit treacherous. Uh, one of the highlights kind of goes along with some of that weather. The border opened back up, and we made our first ice fishing trip to Lake Winnipeg and, and Manitoba since prior to the pandemic. And that was a huge highlight, absolutely a huge highlight. Now, the weather was the other side of the coin on that trip because essentially we, we barely left the cabin. We were in a, a three-and-a-half-day blizzard, and uh, we were we were cabin-bound the first day for sure. Uh, the following two days, we made it out onto the ice but really could only venture about a mile, mile-and-a-half out from the cabin uh, due to some just extremely windy and snowy conditions, blizzard, whiteout conditions uh we did get get a chance to catch some fish while we were out there but you know it, it wasn't necessarily the experience we were hoping for so yeah you know this year we'll get back up there and do it maybe do it upright a couple of the other highlights having 
the ability and the opportunity to take my grandson out fishing for the first time. Rented a, a house, a hard wheelhouse from from Randon Olson, one of our, our pro team members here and good friend of ours. And we uh, we were able to get him out and spend an overnight on the ice to catch some some bluegills and some small pike. And you know what? Just seeing the excitement in those young kids' eyes. He's he's five years old, and and just to, to have that experience was super cool. And along the same lines of those uh, hard house fishing experiences, you and I get into do shack talk from uh, one of Randon's wheelhouses as well last year. That was definitely a highlight. Lesson learned. Here's here's my lesson learned. My son Tony, he he kind of pushed me into this. He said, "Dad, you got to buy a jet boil. You got to buy a jet boil and have it for ice fishing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got enough enough trinkets and stuff that I carry around that I didn't necessarily need it. I tell you what, that's a game changer. That is a game. Uh, do you have one? I don't. I mean, I've done plenty of cooking on the Mr. Heaters and everything. And I know guys that are carrying those jet boils around and it definitely seems interesting. Um, I, I know a lot of guys that can't go a day ice fishing without their coffee. And for those guys, it's a, a must have. I, I am not the, the coffee drinker. So, you know, those guys are the ones bringing it along. I, I love to cook on the ice, so I can definitely see myself using it. But usually I'm just more using what I have on the ice, whether it's a heater or some side of type of propane heater or grill that I bring along. But yeah, no, I definitely have seen them in use and definitely think they're a pretty neat accessory to bring with you on the ice. Definitely an accessory. And I, coffee is, is completely it. That's for me. I got to have my coffee when I'm out there. Uh, and so, so for me being able to boil up some hot coffee while I'm on the ice is huge. And then do those, some of those, uh, you know, dehydrated meals. I love getting together with, with friends out on the ice and cooking, you know, cooking up some brats or, or hot dogs or, or whatever it might be. Right. Um, doing a little fish fry out there. That's so much fun. But those days when you're by yourself, or maybe you're, you're in that group and you're mobile and you're, you're, you're kind of really focused on the fishing more than the socialization of it, being able to, to boil up some water and, and throw those dehydrated meals on and, and eat kind of on the go, Really cool. That was a game changer for me. That was my my lesson learned for last ice season. So uh, for all of you that are listening, uh, uh, you've got my endorsement on that one. Yeah, and I think we've talked about it before. A, a warm meal out on the ice really can change your day. It you know re-energizes you for the you know maybe the evening bite or something. Whereas a cold sandwich is kind of just like, well, I guess I need to eat something because you know it's there. But yeah, a warm meal definitely is something on my list when I'm going out ice fishing. Absolutely. It was a good year. Last year was a great year after, uh, you know, the prior year being uh, all the pandemic stuff. And and here we were at Shack Talk. If you go back a couple of seasons ago, we're talking about social fish dancing and, and, you know, just all of those things that we're not having to hear every day anymore. It's last year was a great season. And I am just looking forward to this next season coming up with a lot of anticipation. Yeah, I'm really excited for, you know, what's to come. And like you mentioned, you know, the border opened up last year. It's pretty much restriction-free this year. So I'm really looking forward to getting back up there myself. I'm sure a lot of people are as well. And I'm hoping that, you know, there'll be more venturing on some of those destination trips. Yeah, I'm certain people will. And and, uh, just as we get back to feeling a little bit more normal, which we've come a long ways in doing that already. So definitely. Hey, Anthony, let's let's talk about what we've got coming up in the season ahead. Because, you know, that excitement really, you start to feel it even late summer, right? And you you see online some of the Facebook pages, some of the forums, some of the places where people chat and share information. 
And there's chatter already in, you know, August as to what are the new products coming out in the ice fishing world? What are the uh, improvements? What are the, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then, then that leads to people talking about where's my trip going to be this year? Where's my destination uh, going to be? And so let's just jump into that one. Let's jump into that one and talk a little bit about uh, maybe some new things coming out for this upcoming season that, that we didn't have the opportunity to, to use last year. Yeah, absolutely. You talked, you know, about those releases in, you know, late fall. Most of the major brands are starting to drop their ice fishing stuff. It seems like that end of September or end of August, early September. And so that's when the, you know, the hype really starts. And I know both you and I are wearing some new apparel from Eskimo. So I'm excited for that. I'm really excited for the Eskimo brand and seeing that apparel line really expand the past few years from the evolution of their different suits to new and improved gloves and everything else that they have. Um, it's really fun to be able to be comfortable out on the ice and, you know, have some functional clothing as well as, you know, we'll give Sarah a little credit, some fashionable stuff. It doesn't look too bad on us when we're, you know, at the end of the day wanting to go in and maybe grab a, a meal or a beverage at an establishment. You're not just walking in there with your, you know, jeans or car hearts on. It's nothing wrong with those things, but um, it's nice to be able to be comfortable and, and have some of that functionality out on the ice. You know, you're right. And that's probably a topic we're going to hit some point during the season, Anthony. But if you look at the outdoors and you look at where apparel and uh, the technology side of apparel has come, specifically in the hunting, I think I think hunting really has been, uh, uh, they've revolutionized what, what apparel is and what clothing is as gear. And, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing that follow when we talk about both open water and ice. And certainly, I think ice is more evident because uh, it's just come such a long way from the, the, the coveralls or the whatever it is. You dig the, the old deer hunting coveralls out of, out of the, the bin or the back closet. And, you know, that's when we were young, that's what it was. Uh, and yeah, now, I've learned so much about, you know, what specs go into clothing. I know we've had these conversations before, but, you know, waterproofing and thread counts and different things and how that all affects, you know, whether your bibs are getting iced up when you're drilling holes or whether the wind's cutting through your clothing when you're out on the ice and all those different things that, you know, maybe I wasn't as knowledgeable in the past. I think consumers, you know, they have all that information readily available. I know we continue to put out content and, and information pieces on what to look for when you're buying those clothing pieces. And I think, you know, layering has become a bigger thing and making sure that you have some of those layering pieces. And I know myself, I don't think I'll ever go back to wearing blue jeans under my ice bibs ever again, ever since we got the shack pants from Eskimo. I mean, sweatpants, that's the way to go. It, it is the way to go, and, and they've actually upped that game even this year again. And and uh, you look at the North Shore lineup, the North Shore pants, North Shore vest, and and uh, they're not just sweatpants, are they? They're I mean, they're they're very much suited for an underlayer under your ice suit, but they're extremely comfortable. You can wear them almost every day. You can wear them out to the, to the pub after you've been on the ice all day. And, yeah, I mean, it's just it continues to grow. It continues to change. It continues to evolve, which is really exciting. 
yeah, a lot of great things coming out this year and, you know, I'm sure years to come. I know the gloves, those are always one of those hot topic items on what improvements are out there and finding the right gloves to wear that are both functional and warm. And, you know, the same goes for all the other apparel pieces when you're out on the ice. Because that's really what it boils down to is being comfortable, but also being able to function when you're out on the ice. And don't and you mentioned this earlier, Anthony. Don't forget about looking good because looking good. Too. It's it's one of the favorite things. You're wearing a new performance hoodie. I've got the new hockey hoodie. You know, Eskimos kind of went through the uh, like every year they have a new design for their hockey hoodie. So we sit and we're we're like anxious to find out what it's going to be. And this is one of my this is absolutely my favorite to date. Yeah, absolutely. The the hockey hoodie's got that plaid in there. And I know last year the Kenora dinner jacket was a favorite favorite of many, myself included. I wear mine almost every day. It's so easy to just throw on and it's a nice apparel piece to have in, in the arsenal. But yeah, a lot of great options out there and hopefully people are enjoying them as much as we are. And hopefully we're not shamelessly plugging them just because we enjoy it. But I know a lot of the consumers at the shows and, and feedback that we get from people on the ice as well is, you know, they're impressed with what uh, Eskimos coming out with. And that's what we like to hear. Yeah, most definitely. And we'll touch on some, maybe some more stuff uh, auger wise and, and shack wise, but let's just talk about this upcoming season, Anthony, for you personally, do you have any destination trips already booked, like already in the, in the works where you know you're going to be on XYZ Lake at a certain date? Nothing specific. Got a few ideas penciled in. I know, as I mentioned before, and you mentioned it too, Lake Winnipeg is definitely on my to-do list this winter. Um, having not made it up there for a couple of years, that's you know probably number one on the priority list, whether I go up there in February or March or, you know, not sure on the exact destination or destination exact calendar dates but you know it'll be fun to get back up there and you know wanting to get back out into kind of that prairie pothole region in north dakota last year with all the storms and wind that definitely wasn't the direction that i headed um as much as you if anybody's in the area knows how often i-94 gets shut down from jamestown to fargo i wasn't about to get stuck out there for three four days so looking forward to getting back out there and, and chasing some of those you know giant slew perch that north dakota is known for yeah, no kidding. You guys had some really good times out there a couple of years ago, and I'm sure you'll be chasing that bite again this year. For me, not to rub it in, Anthony, but I just got back from Lake Winnipeg here. I was up there in Fine Falls, Manitoba about a week and a half ago, and yes, it's definitely worth it, definitely worth going back, and I can't wait to get back up there on the hard water, which is, you know, it's it's a little ways out here. For me, personally, it'll be after the first of the year, but uh, just super exciting to catch those greenbacks and not, not just greenbacks, but to catch up with all our buddies and friends up there that we've made great, great people up in the province of Manitoba. And, and so lots of fun. I'm definitely, we, we've already got a trip booked and planned one, one trip for sure. And, and it's likely going to turn into multiple trips. Another trip that I've got on the books already was after last year, thanks to you. Thanks to Mike, uh, the fish addictions guys, that Lake of the Woods spring, March tip up fishing for big pike. Holy smokes. Where has that been my whole life? <laughs> yeah, it's a great fun. time. And I know we've talked about it several times since then. It's just, you know, a lot of the trips we focus on fishing, 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 where the pike fishing, you throw the tip ups out. It's much more of a leisure you know, have conversations, cook some food. Oh, there's a flag, go out and catch it. And, you know, you can have those days where we've been up there and it's, you know, 
a flag every 15, 20 minutes. And it, it is become a marathon where you're catching, you know, 15, 20, 25 pike in a day. It can be a lot more exciting, but I know we kind of hit it and it was a little bit slower, but it was still fun. And, and you never know when that flag goes up, if it's a, you know, 20, 30 inch pike, or if it's the pike of a lifetime. And, you know, there's a lot of that caliber of fish swimming up there. Well, I tell you what, we had fun hanging out with you for a day. We had fun hanging out within our group for a day after that when you guys went home. Here was a realization that I came to. Those pike that are being targeted up there at that time of the year and in in that type of technique, they are not your little hammer handle slimers. This is a different caliber fish. And uh, we didn't catch a whole lot of them, but the ones we caught were totally hand-to-hand combat big fish, strong, exciting runs. And I, I mean, it was just like, whether you were on the handle end of the rod and reel or, or uh, you know, pulling the tip up up with the string or whether you were one of the three of us standing around trying to help or wait or just anticipating what that fish was coming up. Yeah, it's definitely a team effort. You know, you, if you're using tip-ups, you got to have somebody kind of managing the line and making sure that that's free if that pike does take off on a run, which they more than likely will do. And, you know, if you're going hand-to-hand combat, those fish can turn on a dime and they start running at you and they think that they're gone. Or if you're using a rod and reel, I mean, they can peel out drag in a, min- in a minute. Um, I know you mentioned that your son, Tony, you know, set the hook on one with a rod and reel and just kind of looked over and was just like, oh, this is real. Like, this isn't a little fish. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, I, and I, not to not to put him on the spot, but he showed up with his Lake Winnipeg gear, thinking you know eight pound test mono and and uh, you know medium to medium heavy rod, we're gonna be good to go, right? And I'm like, no, 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 you might just put those aside. I, based on what Anthony has told me, this is a little need a little bit heavier gear. And he's like, okay, well, well, whatever. I I don't know this game. I'm learning. And yeah, the first fish he set the hook on he's fighting this fish and he looks up at me like whoa this is real yeah and it's not even just the power of the fish because i mean i'm sure we've all caught a 40 inch pike on eight pound test but you know the violent runs and the deteriorating ice can rub on that line and break it pretty easy so it is something where you kind of have to to up the game and make sure that you have the the correct gear for that specific species that you're targeting well Come late March, Anthony, you can bet your bottom dollar you know where you're going to find me. So, oh, I'll be uh, up there too. Yeah. So don't worry about that. <laughs> it's going to be a good, good time. Hey, let's, uh, talking about maybe some of the hard goods, some of the stuff we are going to be uh, bringing out onto the lake, not uh, not just the apparel, but you got anything else that you're eyeing up, which I know you do. Well, I know for sure, you know, I know we've talked about it a hundred times on the, the show is, you know, live imaging sonar and the new Garmin transducer. I know I haven't been able to get my hands on one yet. I know maybe you have and have had a little experience with that, but that's one of the things on my to-do list to get in my hands and get out on the ice because it really is one of those tools that has changed how I fish and, you know, how I approach breaking down a body of water. So I'm really looking forward to that. That the technology in, in that whole world is advancing so, so fast. It's it's really fun to be able to see what's happening and what's new. For me, I, you know, I can't wait to get out and drill my first hole with the uh, with the Ion Alpha. Yeah, I'm excited for that as well. Having seen and listened to the feedback from those guys that got to use it last year, it's, you know, that was probably like 1A and 1B on my list uh, of things that I'm looking forward to for new gear. So I'll, I'll give you that one for sure. 
Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. And I know the world has probably heard uh, about the Ion Alpha, but if you haven't, uh, you're going to want to check that out because they took the, the best ice auger out there and made it better. You know, just when you think you can't do that, uh, they absolutely did. So that's going to be fun. There's a few new shacks in the lineup. I always think it's fun to look and find out what Eskimo is going to do for their new limited edition hub shack, right? Because uh, a couple of years ago, they did the 949i. They did that in a plaid for a for an anniversary limited edition shack, and they had it out for one year. Last year, they did the, the 450 outbreak in plaid. This year, it is the Quickfish 3, 3i in plaid. And uh, that's going to be a fun one to fish out of this year. And it's always kind of fun just to see what they've got coming around next for those limited edition runs. Yeah, everything that's plaid, I mean, it's Eskimo's brand. They they always seem to amaze us with coming out with something different. And I know last year, too, they had the the Meg's custom rods, and those were a hot hit, hot hit, uh, hot item with the staff and with the customers. They went really fast, and, you know, hopefully those are back around this year. We haven't heard yes or no, and, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll have that partnership again, so I'm looking forward to those, too. Lots of exciting, fun stuff, and... You know, the, the part I like best about Shack Talk, Anthony, is the exciting and fun guests we get to have on. So what do we got in store for this year? What are we looking for season seven of Shack Talk? If you're a follower, uh, you know that we sometimes have a, a loose sort of framework that we work within. What are we going to be doing this year? Yeah, so I don't want to give it all away, but um, we can probably cue in a few people into where we might be having some of those guests coming from. But we we mentioned before we're going to do kind of a, a regional specific podcast where we want insight for a specific region. And, uh, you know, we kind of broke it down by some of the different states or areas and some of the provinces in Canada as well. So we're going to have a mix of the U S team members and some Canadian folks as well, hopping on the podcast, talking about their area specifically, what lakes they like to target, what species they target, and, and maybe even time of year. If you're planning a trip to one of those destinations, I know that, plays a factor in when a lot of people plan those trips. There's, you know, some areas like Ontario, Manitoba that get that really early ice or maybe even that super late ice where we can take advantage of those destinations. And, you know, we'll talk about Wisconsin, South Dakota, you know, some of those areas get maybe ice in the middle of the season. That's good. And, you know, it's maybe a little sketchy on the, the front end and back end of that. So it'll be interesting to hear from our guests, what their feedback is and what they like to do and, you know, help the listener maybe plan a trip to one of those destinations if that's what they're looking for. Yeah, plan a trip. And another thing I think that I've learned in my time in uh, um, ice fishing is that when you travel to different regions throughout the ice belt, there's different ways of fishing. There's different techniques. There's different things that people do. And um, that's that, you know, regional identity. But you can take those little nuggets, those little pieces and those little things and bring them back home. And a lot of times they work really, really well on our home waters. Yeah, it's always a learning experience, especially when we have our guests on the podcast. I learn something every time. And you, like you mentioned, going to a different destination, fishing with different people, um, you know, that's a lot of fun. And, and I really enjoy meeting new people out on the ice, whether it's an intended guest that we're fishing with or just talking with locals out on the ice as well. I think that's half the fun you run into guys in the ice fishing community is so welcoming and usually pretty social and you know, having that conversation, whether it's at the landing or out on the ice or maybe in a establishment after you get off the ice, having those conversations is a lot of fun and you get to know people and, you know, make some of those lifelong friends. You are right. Lots of fun. Lots of things to look forward to here in the upcoming season. 
Again, season seven of Shack Talk. We're jumping off the number one, episode one here with uh, both myself and Anthony Kleinwachter. Uh, we're going to have guests for every other episode we've got lined up. You won't have to listen to just us the whole season long. We're as excited to get these guests on with us and learn from them as uh, as you are. So we'll be riding along with you, and, and we appreciate you riding along with us. Hey, here's one more thing, Anthony. We're going to start this tonight. We, You know, part of that sort of framework that we work within here at Shack Talk and that we have is is that we get some some themes woven in. And of course, conversations go where they go, but it's it's good to have a little bit of a framework to work within to, to get those conversations off the ground. We're going to do a, a little feature every one of our episodes this year. We're going to call it Ice Advice. And Ice Advice is really just a time to hear from you as our listeners and find out what your questions are. What do you want to hear from us? What do you want to uh, get from our opinions or our experience or, or our knowledge? Or and, and we'll just use that to have a little bit of conversation and banter. And, and I think it's going to be pretty cool. We will set up uh, definitely a venue for you to get uh, those questions as listeners to us. This was kind of a, a well, we'll be, we'll be 100% honest. We just kind of brainstormed this idea the other day and, and really liked it. And so we're going we're gonna to use it. We've got a few questions for tonight. We threw out a few feelers and we've got a few questions that we're going to use here. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun segment. And I know, as you mentioned, it's something we kind of put together that I think will be really fun. And it'll be fun not only to get your opinion and my opinion, but our guests' opinion. Um, you know, we're going to bounce these questions off of them. And and hopefully they'll have some great insight because I know we've got a lot of great guests with uh, a lot of great knowledge. It'll be fun to, to pick their brain on maybe some of these questions that come in from the listeners. And as Kyle, as you mentioned, too, for those listening that want to get us those questions, I mean, whether you're reaching out to Kyle or myself individually or the Eskimo Facebook or Instagram pages, shoot us a DM or, you know, comment on the Shack Talk posts out on Facebook. I know those get uploaded as well. Um, we'll find those questions. So definitely share them with us. We've had questions and feedback in the past, and it's it's great hearing from the listeners. We'd, we'd love to do live call-ins, but, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, one of those live radio shows. No, no, and uh, it's but we're doing the next best thing, right? We're doing the next best thing. Hey, let's um, let's take a look at what we've got for some questions. And the first one, Anthony, you you kind of thought this might be a recurring question we can use during the season, and I I really like that idea. The question came well. If we take a step back, there's a little story behind the question. We were all not too long ago. We were all out in Cumberland, Wisconsin, right? Artisan World Headquarters, Eskimo Ion, and all of their brands. And uh, it was an opportunity for all of us as team me- members to collaborate, to share some ideas, share some knowledge, and, and um, it was a, lo- a whole lot of fun. Well, we got to talking, right? We got to talking one night at dinner. And, of course, there's some of us who have not had the opportunity. Well, we've had the opportunity. We haven't capitalized on the opportunity. We've not ever landed a 30-inch walleye. So the topic of 30-inch walleyes got started, right? And Anthony, you've you've gotten a 30. Yeah, I've gotten one. It was one of those ones that just just cleared the line, so I'm counting it. It, it wasn't a no-doubter, but it was definitely right there at the 30 line. Well, you earned your badge, right? You're, yes, it was legitimate. You earned your I'm badge. I'm in the club. You are or, in or, the club. Or out of the club, some may say. Well, that's where the conversation... I've caught... I don't even I don't even know how many I could count how many between twenty nine and twenty nine and seven eighths right, 
Uh, but I've never legitimately had one touch the line, so I'm, I'm not going to claim that uh, because it hasn't happened yet. Now, we got to talk, and I'm not alone. And so Randon Olson was was one of these folks who had not. Mike Toole. And, and there was a, a group of guys there that, that had not caught a 30-inch walleye. So on the way back to Fargo, you and I, Randon, were driving together, Andrew Shea, and uh, we came up with the, the idea of starting a Facebook group with the sole purpose of having everybody who's in that group who's a member get kicked out. And the way you get kicked out is you catch a 30-inch walleye. So if you're if you're listening to Shack Talk and, and you are uh, on social media, if you're on Facebook, go look for the Undirty 30 Club. And uh, it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. We're showing pictures of all of the walleyes that didn't go 30. And so we're using that hashtag, didn't go 30. And uh, it's a whole lot of fun. We're going to celebrate when people get kicked out. But one of the questions that was asked, Randon, he asked this question. Now we're getting back to where we were originally intending to go with this, Anthony. And so the question is, which is more difficult to catch? A 50-inch muskie, a 30-inch walleye, 15-inch perch, 15-inch crappie, 11-inch bluegill? Or, or name any others that you want to as well, right? But I think those are maybe the big ones that come to our mind when you first get started. Give me your take on that, Anthony. What are you thinking? Yeah, I guess for me, I'm I'm probably leaning more to the panfish side of things. That 15 inch perch, 15 inch crappie, 11 inch bluegill. I know there's lakes that have those caliber fish in them, but it seems like you know 50 inch muskie, 30 inch walleye, 40 inch pike. You know, kind of some of those destination lakes where those fish are are possible. They're not you know not a given definitely, but Lake Winnipeg, Lake of the Woods, some of those places. You know, your chances of catching one of those larger predator fish, I think, is a lot higher. Whereas catching one of those top end panfish, crappie, bluegill, perch, you really have to put in the time, I think, and effort, and and know where to target those fish. Don't get me wrong. There's probably lakes that have those fish loaded, and there's probably listeners that are like, oh, I've caught multiple of those fish. Well. I certainly haven't. So I think for me, I'm leaning more towards the panfish side of things that those are harder to catch than, you know, maybe some of those big predator fish. What do you think? Well, let me ask you this before I answer, how many of these have you checked off your list? So I would, I have a 15 inch crappie, a 15 inch perch, a 30 inch walleye and a 40 inch pike. So I've never caught a 50 inch muskie or an 11 inch plus bluegill. So got a couple more to, to cross off the list. 40-inch pike. Hey, there was one I didn't have on the list. So, yeah, that one's got to be added in there as well. Yeah, good. For, you've got a great start, right? But you still you still got things you're chasing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just talking about some of the lakes that we fish, you know, I think where you fish maybe even raises that bar a little bit more. You know, I fish Lake of the Woods. A 40-inch pike up there, from what you've even seen and experienced in the one trip up there, you know, that's a a weekend occasion for most groups that go up there. It seems like somebody in the group is bound to, or, you know, going to catch one at that 40 inch mark, um, whether it's, you know, just under or right around that area. So I think raising that bar, even on some of those lakes and, you know, for the musky guys, I know 50 inches was always the bar. Well, it seems like some of those musky gurus now it's, you know, 52 or 54 or 55 even. So that bar continues to move and change based on how and where you fish and, you know, maybe there's guys that fish for crappies and bluegills that have that 11 and they're looking for a 12 inch bluegill or the 15 inch crappie. They're looking for that elusive 16 inch. So 
it's it's really fun to go back and forth. I know it's been a running conversation in our groups on those trophy caliber fish, and when somebody gets one, it is pretty special. Yeah, no doubt about it. Absolutely. You know, my take on it, Anthony, is, um, well, for me personally, it's the 30-inch walleye that's the hardest because that's the one I, you know, the the, the top of the want list, not, the, not just what I've caught, but the top of the want list that I haven't gotten. And what's interesting about it is I think uh, – it's like so many things in the outdoors. It's really tough to do until it isn't, right? Like I'm thinking of Mike Olson. I'm thinking of Scott Brewer. I'm thinking of some of these guys that, you know, once they finally got their 30-inch walleye, it fell like dominoes, right? They, they caught more of them. It was, then then it wasn't such this uh, elusive far-off goal. And you're right. It's where you fish. I think that plays a big part in it. But I, th- I think that 30-inch walleye is right up there. I also am with you on the panfish, specifically bluegills. And, and I think with bluegills, that's a big one. They're a tough one. You know, you can catch a lot of bluegills, but but to catch one that's that's really quality. And you mentioned that the bar raisin with muskies, right? Well, musky fishing and, and for musky anglers, it's, I mean, it's more than just expected. It's it's put into full practice the whole catch and release. Randon, who guides muskies in the fall, he has one particular fish, and it's very distinguished, and, and it's it's easily distinguished. In the last four seasons, so in the last three years, he's caught that same fish 15 times. Yeah, it's amazing to see how the catch and release practice can work with some of those big fish. And I think, you know, panfish are no different. We just don't see those in repetition on, you know, being able to identify those fish, but... I think protecting and being mindful of, you know, releasing those trophy caliber fish, you know, replicas these days are just as good as a, a skin mount. And, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of people would prefer that skin mount and no fault to anyone for keeping the fish of a lifetime that you catch, but being able to release some of those higher end caliber fish really just puts those fish back and somebody else is going to catch it, get a picture of it when it's bigger. And, you know, maybe you'll come back and catch that same fish. Yeah. I, I'm 100% in agreement with you, Anthony. And and for me, uh, we know I've not caught a 30-inch walleye. I have caught a 50-and-a-half and a 51-and-a-half-inch muskie, both, by the way, on 8-pound test line and a 3-ace-ounce <laughs> jig and a fathead. So uh, we've got that one for a notch in the belt. As a kid, I caught a 16-and-3-quarter-inch crappie. Amazing. All I have is a little Polaroid picture of it. We caught it in the Minnesota River brought it home and ate it, you know, just, and that right, that right there just tells you the, the shift in mindset in the, the generation since I was a little kid, right? Um, that was perfectly acceptable at that point in time. And then not too many years ago, I was able to, I was able to put on the ice a bluegill that went 12 and an eighth. And that's probably one of my biggest moments or, or biggest uh, fish that I'm most proud of uh, to, to be able to catch a fish of that caliber uh, it exceeded two pounds legitimately on a postage scale. And and um, a replica of the crappie is right here off camera. And so is that 12 and an eighth inch bluegill. Uh, those are pretty big ones for me. But still chasing the perch. Not caught a, a, a perch really any bigger than about 13 and three quarters. Uh, and so uh, 15 would be a big jump there. And, and certainly the 40 inch pike and the 30 inch walleye. So this is going to be a fun discussion. I'm looking forward to this one. And uh, I think having this being a recurring question for ice advice is, is definitely something that's going to be a lot of fun this year, Anthony. 
Yeah, it'll be a great topic. I think it'll be fun to get our guests take and see what kind of fish they've caught over the years. I know that's a lot of fun having those conversations and, you know, where maybe the person's going next to, to target those fish. Yeah, for sure. And here's another question. So we've got, uh, we've got a question from Matt in Duluth and it says, hi guys. Uh, this season I upgraded my hub shack to an Eskimo outbreak 650 XD, which is a fantastic shack, by the way, five sides, the big door, no trip door, usually fishes with three to four people. So that's, uh, that's what we're looking at for a scenario here. And, he says, we often debate about what the ideal hole layout is. Okay, so where do you position the holes within the hub shelter? Tried putting holes in the corners. It works, uh, but we're far apart and we're congested in the middle. We've also tried drilling holes in a line in the middle or through the middle of the shack, but it doesn't seem like that's the most efficient use of the fishing space. So Maybe, and he goes on to say, what's your thought on how you arrange your holes? Or maybe I'm just overthinking it and it feels like uh, it, maybe it isn't that big of a deal. Well, I can, I can maybe add to that because I've probably tried every layout possible in a hub shack, whether it's all the holes in the corners, fishing around the outside like a merry-go-round where everybody just has one hole, keeping your kind of middle open for whatever you have in the middle and, you know, doing lines on both sides where you're all back to back. So I think I've fished with all of them. So maybe I'll ask you, what's your preferred go-to style and do you think it's superior to the other? Well, I, you know, and everything's personal preference, right? I think that's, that's one of the things. There's no right or wrong answer to some of these questions, but here's, here's my thought on it. Ice camping has is, is gotten to be a huge thing in the, in the ice fishing world here the last couple of years. If you're, if you're ice camping, there's only certain arrangements you can do, right? And so I know Matt, uh, Matt didn't ask that question as an ice camper. Yes, it is an ice angler. But I think that, that putting all of your holes in a line, that comes into play a lot of times when you're ice camping because you've got to have a significant amount of space for a, a cot or a you know heating system or whatever it is you have there. So I see where that can be the best option. And in those scenarios, I've done the spokes of the wheel where you're all sitting back to back. And I, and I do agree. You're not looking at each other. Um, you're kind of, you know, faced off into your own little world there. And, and so I probably don't like that as much as I like what you described as the merry-go-round, right? So each panel or two panels of the shack, you get one guy and he's kind of facing forward and you go around in a circle we did that last year when we were out tulabee fishing and uh, we had a couple other guys in the shack with us anthony and and that seemed to work really well i guess that would be my go-to yeah i think that one's probably the the best way to still feel like you're part of the group and not like you said be back to back and not seeing anybody um but you're maybe only fishing one hole so if you're really set on fishing two holes i still think back to back in the middle, everybody's got their two holes on the outside is probably the, the easiest way to go if that's really what you want is being able to fish two different holes. Um, so that would be kind of my thing in it. And I think you touched on it a little bit too, you know, where you have your heater. Um, keep that in mind when you're fishing with a group who, who gets cold because you put them in the back next to the heater and then whoever's the hottest, you keep them by the door so they're getting that breeze and cooling off every time somebody goes in and out of the shack because that can, that can make the day too if you're all comfortable, you got the people that are coldest by the heater and the people that are maybe a little more warm-blooded by the door. Yeah, for sure. That's a great, great point. Uh, staying warm, staying comfortable is always a big part of it. 
and of course, of course, inevitably, when you're in a shack like that, uh, at some point during the day, you get a pike come through and they grab your line and wrap all of them together. And uh, that's always fun. That's a story for another day. But yep, that's always a, a good one. Um, but we appreciate the questions. That's going to be a really fun part of our, our podcast this year. Uh, again, if you're listening to Shack Talk here, send us your questions. Send us what you want to hear us talk about. Questions, scenarios like this. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. There's a good chance we'll get it out on the air and have some discussion about it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to those questions. I'm looking forward to the season coming up. I'm looking forward to the guests. And honestly, I'm looking forward to the temps outside dropping a little bit and you know starting to skim across those little ponds and sloughs. And got a little bit of deer hunting to do first. I think hopefully most of our listeners do as well. And we want to wish them luck because I know that's coming right around the corner. But Really looking forward for the upcoming season and the opportunity to sit on here and talk with Kyle every other week and, and put the podcast out and, and share some of the, the knowledge that we have and the guests have with all the guests that um, and all the listeners that we have on the show. It'll be a really fun season. So make sure to stick with us for the entire season. If you haven't, go back, listen to the prior seasons. There's a lot of great episodes, as we mentioned at the beginning. You know, thanks to Eskimo, we give them a lot of credit for letting us uh, be on this platform and, and talk to everyone and share some of our nonsensical advice with everyone. Hopefully you get to learn a thing or two, and we look forward to getting you guys back on the, the show in the coming weeks as we get these episodes rolling out for the season. So until then, get out on the ice, have some fun, and we'll see you next time. Hey.